it's good to hear. Why don't you guys grab your seat? We're going to get straight into it tonight because I'm on the clock. And uh, you know what they all say, if you encourage me more, I'll preach faster. So that's a good thing. Those lights are bright. Anyway, starting off, I've got a question for you guys and you need to be honest with me. Have you ever tried to pull a sneaky one on your parents but uh, got caught? Like you've tried to directly disobey them but they catch you out or they catch you in the act? Has anyone experienced that? You're a good boy, aren't you, Jaden? That's why. When I was in year 12, in my rebellious younger years, uh, my parents went away for the weekend. And the week before, mum comes to me and she says, Matt, one of your sisters will be at her friends, one of your sisters will be at home, and you'll be looking after her with no friends over, with no changes to this plan, and that is what's happening. And so I said to mum, and I said, no worries. We can do that. I proceeded to leave the conversation and text three, three or four friends and uh, Saturday night, my place, what's happening? And so Saturday night goes around, mum and dad leave town, my sisters are where they need to be and my friends roll up and we turn on some music, we have a few drinks, there's a bit of laughter, we're having fun and it gets to near midnight and one of my friends decides he needs a little bit of space, a little bit of air away from people, if you know what I mean. And so I take him out the front door. And mum and dad's front door has this beautiful stained glass, ornamental, lead lighting, big window on the front of it. And so we go outside and I sit him down and I say, mate, we're just going to uh, sit you here and I'm going to let everyone know that we're outside. I'll be right back. So I walk back inside and I half shut this door behind me. And about two seconds later, I've made it maybe a metre or two in, I hear this bellowing, you're not locking me outside tonight, Betsy. And I'm like, what? So I turn around and life turns into slow motion. I see a raised fist and a large human charging towards the front door. And then my eyes zoom in as the window explodes into a million pieces as his fist goes straight through it. And luckily no one was hurt. I don't know how. No one was hurt. But there was one issue. My parents would definitely know something went down that Saturday night. I could not get, my, get myself out of that one. So began the dreaded midnight phone call to mum. Mum, this is what's happened. The rest is history. Hey, maybe you found yourself in a similar situation. And, well, hopefully not too similar. But maybe you've been running around outside with the football and dad's always said, don't kick it near the windows. And what do you do? kick it straight through a window. Maybe you have decided school wasn't the best place for you one day, and so you faked a sickie, only to have mum come home on lunch and catch you having the time of your life. Or maybe you've borrowed your parents' car while they're on holidays to save you some fuel, and someone just scratches right up the side of it in the shopping centre. Or maybe you told your parents you were going to a friend's place, and instead you went to the house party and came home under the weather the next day. And maybe you found yourself in a situation where you tried to pull a sneaky, but you got caught out. Can anyone picture a situation in their mind like that right now? Can you imagine how annoyed, how frustrated, how angry your parents were? Because I know mine were furious. I had to pay for that one, and literally pay for that one. But can you imagine how your parents felt in that moment? How, what went through their mind? What they were thinking? But after all of that, after all the anger, the frustration, the annoyance, after all of that, I know for me, 
I know for you, for many of these situations, after all of that, there is still love there. There's still love there for us. And it's the same with God. God has the same heart for us, that although we can find ourselves making poor choices or trying to pull a sneaky or stumbling through life, he forgives us no matter what. Despite our brokenness, our humanity, our sin, he loves us no matter what. Yet in all the powerful truth, I've found that at times we can distort our own belief, that although we mess up, God loves us. But our actions can differ from this. We can make mistakes, we make poor choices, we stumble through life, we do things we're not proud of, and then we distort our own belief. Instead of coming back to God knowing that he loves us 110% before anything, we run away. We try and hide from him because we're feeling guilty, because we don't feel worthy of God's love. And then we hide and we sort of pretend everything's all good until we feel like we're worthy of God's love again. Has anyone seen that in their own life? The incredible beauty of God's love is that it ain't too late. It ain't too late. No matter where you're at or what you've done or what you've been through or the choices that you've made, it ain't too late to come back to God's love because before any of that, no matter where you find yourself, whether you're hiding, whether you've walked away, whether you've never known Jesus or whether you've made mistakes, whether your heart's in the right place or not, no matter what, it ain't too late to come back to God's love. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. It ain't too late. And that's the truth I want to focus on tonight. It's a truth painted in so many places in Scripture that it ain't too late to come back to God's love. And we've only got time to really look at one story, one picture of this in Scripture tonight. So if you've got your Bible or your phone Bible or whatever the latest thing is, why don't you check out Isaiah chapter 1. Now, Isaiah chapter 1 is in the Old Testament, and I'm, I'm sure there's a few of us here that have probably read this or read some of it or... Maybe you haven't. And for those of us who haven't, we're going to look at a little bit of context before we go into Isaiah. It's the kind of book that when you're reading and you're sort of looking at it, you go, what is going on here? This is, this is crazy. Why is God saying this? Why is Isaiah writing that? Because it's abrupt. It's blunt. There is some downright disruptive, challenging things in there. What is going on? And as we dig into a bit of background, a bit of context on Isaiah, uh, I believe that what the text says becomes more and more relevant to us and our lives today. It's an interesting time in history. There's a lot going on, and we're going to have to look at a few things. Let's start with Isaiah. Isaiah's an interesting kind of a guy. He's a family man. He's married. He's got two kids. He's got the standard Medicare and bank account set up. A uh, bit of an education, a super on the side probably some form of day job. He's a regular sort of a dude. And then one day something happens. In chapter 6 it's described, but one day Isaiah, he's just in the temple, doing temple things, whatever that looks like. And he's there, and one minute everything's normal, and the next God is sitting there on a throne, there are angels singing his praises, the temple is shaking, and smoke is filling the room. And Isaiah freaks out. I mean, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you freak out if one day we're just here in church and suddenly the room's shaking, God's up there, angels are flying around, there's smoke everywhere? I would be freaking out. And I would probably ask the question, what incense are they burning in this temple today? So Isaiah's response is pretty natural. He starts 
freaking out and he starts saying how unclean and unworthy he is, how unclean and unworthy the people are, that he is ruined, his days are over, it's all over. And he says this because in those days, if you saw God, generally you died. (laughs) So the last thing Isaiah expects happens. He thinks he's done. But God, before Isaiah says anything, just forgives him. His sin, his guilt, his shame, gone. Forgiven right then and there before Isaiah even opens his mouth. And that's exactly God's heart for us, that before we even open our mouth, before we even get close to him, before we even ask him, he has forgiven us for the sin, the guilt, the shame that's in our lives. He forgives us in a heartbeat. And an interesting thing there, I I see Isaiah talks about how unclean the people is, people are. I mean, why is that important? What's it got to do with anything? It relates to the entirety of the book of Isaiah, because in that day, in the time, uh, the country that Isaiah lives in is the country of Judah. And Judah is a country that's meant to be full of God's people. But there's one small issue. They are completely surrounded by the Assyrian Empire. And I mean completely surrounded. Think of the entire Middle East today is the Assyrian Empire. And there's maybe something smaller than Tasmania is Judah, just sitting in the middle of it. So they are completely completely surrounded by the enemy. And they're surrounded and influenced and tempted to live as the other nations are doing. And they're really struggling. Doesn't our life feel a little bit like this at times? That we're sitting there on our own. We come under pressure. We're tempted. We're influenced by the media or social media or friends, our workplaces, our family. We're surrounded on all sides by various influences. And we can feel like this lone Judah surrounded by the Assyrian Empire. And Isaiah is living right in the middle of this. He's living in this turmoil, in this crazy time. And I love the picture that's painted as we look at this context, that it looks pretty bleak. It looks like it's a tough time for Judah and its people. But it creates the perfect storm, the perfect environment for God to step in and say and do something dramatic, something powerful. And maybe your life looks like that tonight. Maybe it looks a little bleak. This is for you. Listen up. Because this story isn't just for the past. It's for our lives right now. See, God wants to move in our lives today. Not tomorrow, not yesterday, but today. No matter how bad your storm looks. So Isaiah chapter 1, we're going to break it down. We're going to look at a few different things. So we're going to jump around a little bit. Is that okay? Great. The first thing we see there is Judah has no idea who its master is. And I'm going to read. And as I said, it's blunt. It's challenging. So wait up, I'll explain. Verse 2, Hear me, you heavens, listen earth, for the Lord has spoken. I reared children, speaking of Judah, and brought them up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its master, the donkey its owner's manger, but Israel does not know, my people do not understand. Woe to the sinful nation, talking about Judah, a people whose guilt is great, a brood of evildoers, children given to corruption. They have forsaken the Lord. They have spurned or rejected the Holy One of Israel. And turned their backs on him. God doesn't need a warm up, does he? He's got no chill. He's got no chill. But the people have no idea who the master is. Like an, he writes like an ox knows who the boss is. The donkey knows where home is. But Israel have no idea. And Isaiah is writing here that Judah doesn't even know God. They don't even know who God is. And God's really upset about this. The state that Judah's in. And he writes, woe to the sinful nation. Now, I don't know about you, but I read this and I think, man, God is angry. 
He is one angry God today. But the original language actually used a word for woe that means to express passionate grief. And this changes the way we read this sentence. No longer is God angry, but instead he's actually sad. He's expressing passionate grief for the state Judah is in. And God is no different towards us today. There's so many masters in our world trying to lead us astray, and it grieves him when we are. It makes him sad. And so the text begs us to ask this question, who is influencing you? Are you able to recognize the influences on your life? Is it God that's leading you? Is it someone else? Are the people you follow on social media influencing you to focus on your insecurities so they can sell you a product or a way of life? Is what's on the news causing an unrealistic fear to rise inside of you in response to a one-sided story? Or is political correctness attempting to influence the way you think about things in an argument for social progress? Or maybe your friends are pressuring you into making questionable choices just to fit in with the group. Who is influencing you? In verse 5, we'll continue. Why should you be beaten anymore? Why do you persist in rebellion? Your whole head is injured, your whole heart afflicted. From the sole of your foot to the top of your head, there is no soundness, only wounds and welts and open sores, not cleansed or bandaged or soothed with olive oil. No chill once again. But God is crying out to the people in grief, in sadness. He's saying, why are you doing this to yourselves? And can you imagine what this actually looks like on a person? Someone who is injured from the bottom of their foot to the top of their head, inside and out. It's the picture of an incredibly hurt, sick, suffering person. But this is where the people are at. They're broken, they're suffering, they're just not quite whole. They've chosen to walk without God and it's not looking good for them. And this is something we can see in our lives. Have you ever noticed this? When you decide to go off and make your own choices, sometimes it doesn't end up well for you. Maybe you've decided to tell your boss who's the boss after they've given you one too many late night shifts. Maybe you have decided having lots of cash will make me happy and then you get lots of cash and you're actually no better off. Or maybe you have stopped your dream degree to pursue a relationship and now you have no idea where your future's meant to be. Maybe in a moment of anger or frustration you lashed out at someone close to you and now things aren't quite the same as they used to be. See, when we choose to make our own way, we end up in pain. Living without God hurts. So what choices are you making? Are you making life-giving choices with God? Are you looking and listening to what He wants to say to you? Are you open to what He has to say to you, even if you're not quite happy about it in the moment? Are you choosing to live with God? Or are you choosing to make your own way with your own wisdom? Shall I continue? (laughs) God gets even more blunt. He gets less chill as we go on. And I'm going to paraphrase from verse 11 through to about verse 16 or so. Isaiah is now talking to the leaders. He's talking to the Pharisees, the people in charge of what's going on. And in verse 11, he says, The multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord? Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons, Sabbaths, convocations. I can't bear your worthless assemblies. They have become a burden to me. I am wary of bearing them. Bearing them. So God's sick and tired of what the people are doing. And I look at this, and despite Judah's rebellious ways, they're doing all the right things. 
in that time, these were all things that the Israelites were instructed to do in their relationship with God, like sacrifices and offerings. See, before Jesus came out of his unending love for us, before he came to restore our relationship with God, the Israelites actually had to make sacrifices to God to, make, to be right with him. They were instructed all through the Old Testament to do that. The new moon festivals, at the beginning of every month, they were to make an offering to God and come together to give thanks to God, to praise him for what he's doing. And the word convocation simply means like a sacred coming together of the people. It's just part of their festivals, to come together to praise and worship God. And so Judah are doing all these right things. And traditionally, these things are designed to bring them closer to God. But the issue is, they're doing all the right things, but they're just going through the motions. They're just going through the motions. And God's not interested in any of it. He's not interested in the stuff they're doing because it didn't change their hearts. Doing the right things with the wrong heart is not what God's after. That's not what he wants for our life. Have you ever just gone through the motions? Maybe you've been at school or work or uni and you're there. You're doing your regular thing, but you're not really there. Your mind is off elsewhere. You're thinking about other things. You're just going through the motions. What about when it comes to your faith? Have you ever just gone through the motions then? Maybe that's some of us here tonight where you've made a bad decision and you're, you're sitting in the guilt of that. Or maybe you're feeling like you're obligated to please someone else by being here. Or maybe you've lost vision for what God has for your life. Or maybe you've never realised that vision before. And you come into church, you go on a life group, you're reading your Bible, you're journaling, you're praying, you're singing Hillsong music in the car. You find yourself doing all the right things, but you're just going through the motions. Have you ever found yourself in that? Well, the good news is that it ain't too late. It ain't too late to get intentional. See, before any of the right things, before anything else, before anything you do, God cares about you and your heart right where it's at. He wants to meet you right where you're at. And so I have a question. Where is your heart at? Are you intentionally seeking God's heart? Or are you just going through the motions? So up until this point in Isaiah, there is a picture being painted for us. See, God has been straight to the point. He's been blunt. He's been challenging. But everything that's been written, everything that's been said, everything we just looked at builds up to a certain point. It's building tension to this finale. And we find this in verse 18. And God says something profound, something disrupting, yet incredibly revolutionary to the people. He says in verse 18, come now, let us settle the matter. Though your sins are like scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are as red as crimson, they shall be like wool. Picture this. Although they're like scarlet, they should be as white as snow. If anyone's tried to get coffee out of a t-shirt, it's very hard, but God just cleans it. That's the picture. And this is a mic drop moment for the people. He's like, boom. He drops the mic on the people because He's slamming the door on guilt, on shame, on inadequacy. He's saying, come now, even though your life's a bit messy, even though it's not all together, it doesn't matter. I'll leave it behind. Let's settle this. Come to me. I'll make you whole. Just come. That's what God's saying. And this is totally revolutionary to the people who thought you had to do things to get right before God before you could even think about approaching him. Totally revolutionary. See, Judah didn't have it all together. I mean, clearly. Yet God called them anyway to leave it all behind, and to come back to him. That is the picture of God's it ain't too late love 
That's been painted in Isaiah chapter 1. See, this invitation, come now. Come now. It's open for us to this day. He didn't just say it once. He said it before then. He's been saying it since then. God's saying it today. God hasn't stopped inviting us to come to him. And it doesn't matter where you find yourself in life. You might find yourself stuck living a life you're not proud of, being influenced and led by things that aren't good for you. Hey, God wants to give you a new life. He wants to give you a hope, a future. He wants to take you there. Come now. If you're feeling broken, beaten down on where you're at, beaten down by life, lost in your journey, God wants to restore you. He wants to lift you up. He wants to take you out of your hurt and put you back on your feet. Just come now. Maybe you're hiding from God. You've made choices that leave you swamped and drowning with guilt and shame. Hey, God forgives you. He leaves it all in the past. He makes you as white as snow. He loves you no matter what. Just come now. Maybe you're in a rut and just going through the motions. God's got a purpose for you. He's got a vision for you. He's got a plan and he wants to show you that. Just come now. Maybe you'd say, Matt, I'd never experienced a relationship with Jesus. Hey, God loves you right where you're at, right where you are. Before anything else, he loves you. He wants to meet you. Just come now. See, it ain't too late. It ain't ever too late to experience God's love. So no matter where you find yourself, whether you find yourself in the pit, whether you find yourself broken, whether you find yourself running away, it ain't too late. It ain't too late to leave it all behind. It ain't too late to leave it in the past. It ain't too late to come back to God. He'll overlook it all. He'll settle the matter. He'll make you as white as snow. He just wants you because he loves you right where you're at. It ain't ever too late. It ain't ever too late to come back to God's love. So could I get a sort of stand, please? As we finish... I've got some questions for us tonight. And I'd love it, if, love it if we could all bow our heads and close our eyes as we, as we think about these questions to give each other a moment of privacy, a moment to reflect, and a moment to respond to what Scripture is saying to us tonight, to apply it to our lives. And so I've got these questions for us. So why don't you think about these right now? What or who is influencing you and your decisions right now? Is it God? Is it the things around you? What or who is influencing your life right now? How are the decisions you're making right now affecting the state of your life? Is your heart open to change? Are you ready to change? Are you letting God speak into your life? Or are you letting friends or family or social media... to step away from where you're at? Do you need to step away from a situation, a person, a place, a thing, and come, and come now, back to God? Just think about those questions as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Maybe at some point tonight there was a particular moment, a particular word, a particular phrase, a moment that really resonated within you. Maybe something stirred in your heart, or a particular situation or person or thing was brought to your mind. Maybe you feel God is highlighting something to you tonight. If that's you, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to what God is saying to you. Because when we respond, we're allowing God to move in our lives. We're saying, God, I'm open to what you're saying to me. I'm open to what you want to bring to my life. And so if that's you tonight, why don't you raise your hand? I want to pray for you. I want to know who I'm praying with. So tonight, something spoke to your heart. In the count of three, why don't you raise your hand? Three, two, 
one. Yeah, see those hands. That's awesome. That's awesome. Jesus, I just thank you for every person here tonight, for those people that are responding to you right now. I thank you that you've revealed something to them, that you've spoken to them, that you've given them a picture of what they need to do, what you're calling them to do. And I just declare right now that through this week, Lord, you're going to be walking with them, that you're going to help them be influenced by the right things, that you're going to help them make the right choices, that you're going to help them change and grow into the future that you've got for them. We thank you that they're coming to you saying, God, I'm open to what you want to do in my life right now. In Jesus' name, amen. And while let's keep our heads bowed and our eyes closed just for a moment. Maybe you've, you're here tonight and you've never walked with God or you, you would say, Matt, I've never experienced this relationship with Jesus you've mentioned. So I want to give you an opportunity to, tonight to come to God, to come to Him, to settle the matter, to put the past aside. See, in the beginning at creation, we were created to live in a relationship with God. But due to us simply being human, sin entered the world and it broke that relationship with God. And Jesus came out of his never-ending, unending love for us. He walked among us, he endured, he died on a cross for our sins as a one-time only payment so that we would never have to pay. To restore our relationship with God, to experience his everlasting, overflowing love for us, to live the life he's got for each and every one of us. See, God loves you right where you're at. No matter what your past looks like, no matter what your present looks like, God loves you. And so if that's you tonight and you would say, Matt, I need to make that decision tonight. I need to make a decision to come to God to settle the matter. As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, I'm going to count down once again from three. And if that's you, why don't you pop your hand up so we know who we're praying with. Three, two, one. leave it here too long but I do want to give everyone an opportunity or maybe you've made that decision in the past but for whatever reason you've walked away from God if that's you tonight as well why don't you raise your hand that's good that's good well Jesus thank you for every single person here thank you for those people that are reaching out to you whether they've raised their hand or they've made that decision in their heart Lord thank you so much and we just declare that through this week you're going to continue to make yourself known to them, continue to make yourself real to them, that they're going to have a new life in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, why don't we give it up for everyone who made that decision tonight and everyone that responded. It's a great decision, the best decision you'll ever make for your life. If you made that decision tonight, whether you raised your hand or whether you made that in your heart, we've got a prayer up on the screen. We pray this every week and We believe this is a simple way for you to invite Jesus into your life. So why don't we all pray it all together? Dear Jesus, I believe in you. Thank you for forgiving me. Come into my life and I'll follow you. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks, guys. See you at Walton Stores for a kicker after party. Woo! Thanks, Lana. Thank you.